Welcome to the Wise Birth Radio. We are women, students, and mamas exploring healthy pregnancies, empowered birth, nurtured postpartum, and natural parenting from a holistic, intuitive, and grounded experience. We share knowledge through interviews, stories, and musings. We hope to inspire you to take charge of your childbearing journey for yourself and your family. This show is intended to spark your own curiosity and encourage you to listen to your body, your baby, and your intuition. I'm Mabel. And I'm Sarah. And we are your hosts on Wise Birth Radio. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Wise Birth Radio. Hello, hello. As my son says, he's in super parrot mode and he just repeats everything that he hears. And whenever he puts something that's shaped like a phone up to his head, he says, hello, hello. Um, it's just me this evening. It's been really, really lovely to have Sarah on a couple of episodes again. I love talking to her. Um, She has now had her baby. Probably by the time you hear this episode, it will be about a month ago. Um, He was born at home on Thanksgiving. All is well. I had the joy and the pleasure and the honor of going to visit them yesterday taking care of her, setting them up with a little herbal bath and plenty of food, and recording her birth story. So that will also be an episode. I haven't decided yet if it's going to come before or after this one, but somewhere here on the show. Um, I am actually sitting in my house. I think that's the first time I've ever recorded an episode like this. I've recorded episodes in my car. I've recorded episodes while walking. I've recorded episodes in other people's houses. But the baby, who's not a baby, who's almost two years old, is asleep. My partner is out for the time being. And it's just me here in front of the fire, which honestly feels a little weird. I feel like I should be knitting or washing dishes or going for a walk or something other than just sitting here and recording myself talk, but this is a good exercise in simplifying and just focusing on one thing at once. I have a lovely wood stove here going. I may need to tend to it at some point, but for now it's just a great thing to stare at while I talk. So, today's episode has no notes, no plan, no script. It has a topic of inspiration and something that I'm sort of just going to explore my own thoughts out loud for you all and for myself. And this just came to me one day. I don't think I'd ever really thought too deeply about it before, but... I was actually re-watching an episode of Gilmore Girls. I just picked one at random to keep me company while washing dishes. And it was one where Sherry, if you know Gilmore Girls, was having a baby. And she is a very, I suppose you could say, type A person whose work is first and foremost and everything in her life is scheduled and planned and in order And she scheduled the day of cesarean for this baby. And ultimately, of course, it didn't go that way. And she went into labor before that. And one of her friends was like, Sherry messed up. So she's having a baby right now. But anyways, I was thinking about that. And I heard, what was the other factor of this? 
oh, I listened to one of my new favorite podcasts. Um, what's it called? Birth Unbothered? Let me look it up right now. Um, the host is Petra Mesa. I think that's how you pronounce her name. Birth. Anyways, she was sharing um, the birth story of her first child, which was when she was pretty young, and she was just sharing about the education that she received, or rather the lack of education that she received around any of it, all of it. I don't know why I thought it was called Birth Unbothered. That's someone else's show, I guess. It's called the Earth Side Birth Podcast. Um, she only has a couple episodes, but they're really great, and I think you should listen to them. Anyways, she was sharing about the birth of her first child, which was when she was pretty young, I want to say late teens, maybe early 20s, and how nobody really told her anything about what was going on in pregnancy, about what birth looked like, about what she should expect to feel at any point, about what was normal, about how to feed herself or take care of herself in any way. Um, she wasn't told this by her doctors. I don't know if you can hear that, but that's our refrigerator. It's pretty bad. <laughs> she wasn't shared this information by anyone, and she was just explaining how lost and scared she felt. So anyways, these two things came together in my mind, and all of a sudden it clicked. I was like, I understand why people would have elective cesareans. Um, and I actually don't know if that's really a thing, like what percentage of the time that actually happens. Uh, but I looked it up real quick. Elective cesareans and uh, Healthline says that it's not the best idea because cesareans can pose health risks. They are a common but complicated procedure. A vaginal delivery is considered safest. Wow, they should talk to some OBs. Um, anyways, it's possible to schedule a cesarean delivery for medical reasons. You could also do it for personal reasons. It's not recommended. However, some pros of elective, an elective cesarean would be lower risk of incontinence and sexual dysfunction after the birth of the baby. Lower risk of the baby being deprived of oxygen during delivery. Lower risk of the baby experiencing trauma while passing through the birth canal. And, I mean, just right there, if you read just that list to someone, they'd be like, okay, yeah, great, section me up. Uh, they then have a list of cons of elective C-section. You are more likely to need a repeat cesarean delivery with future pregnancies, which doesn't feel especially relevant if someone just read the pros of an elective cesarean. Um, there's a higher risk of complications with cesarean deliveries. And you'll have a longer hospital stay, up to five days, and a longer recover recovery period. So I think, first of all, a reason why someone might want to schedule an elective cesarean is if they just read this list. They make cesarean seem like, honestly, sort of a walk in the park, uh, much less risky, much less scary, simpler in a lot of ways. Um, in the pros of elective cesarean, it says there's two different points of lower risk to the baby. So you're like, okay, great. This is lower risk to the baby. Let's do that. I might need a little couple more days in the hospital, but totally worth it for knowing that my baby will be safe. Which I think is often how 
the medical paradigm, medical system of care is sold to us in all ways beyond birth, beyond elective cesareans, that if we do these things, if we do these tests in pregnancy, if we do an ultrasound, if we do genetic testing, if we do a cesarean for whatever reason, in quotes I put medically necessary (laughs) or elective, then your baby will be safe, which is a whole other tangent. I love when people say whole nother, because what's another? But anyways, whole nother topic of conversation. There's nothing that anyone can do that will make birth safe. Birth is never always safe. Nothing is ever always safe. And anyone who says, oh, if we do this, then your baby will be okay. It's a lie. I mean, yeah, sure, there's probably a much better chance. I mean, I don't even know if I can say that. There may be a better chance that your baby will be okay if you do whatever it is. But you never know. Some babies, I mean, this is my personal belief, some babies are not coming here to be part of the world in that way. They have their certain message or their purpose or their reason for coming into your life and that may or may not be to grow up as a human in this form and that their path is what it is regardless of medical intervention or not. And that's not to say that sometimes cesareans and whatever other technology we have doesn't sometimes save lives, because it does. And in those emergency situations, when it's warranted and when it makes a difference, that's amazing. But what I'm trying to say, I think, is that just because you use all the technology doesn't give you any guarantees. Okay, sort of lost where I was. Why would someone choose an elective cesarean. So for me, it was this feeling first, this sort of like gut punch almost after I heard Petra's story of just imagining feeling that clueless in a lot of ways. And this is not at all blaming or faulting mothers saying that, oh, well, you just didn't know any better. There is a lack of education around, honestly, all things womanhood. Honestly, all things personhood. (laughs) But again, this isn't a personhood podcast. This is a mostly birth-ish and relevant other things podcast. Um, So if you had no idea what was happening in your body, and I know that not everyone needs, you know, like there's those apps that say, this week your baby is the size of this fruit. And that may or may not be helpful for you in connecting with your body and your birth and your pregnancy. But just not having any idea of how a uterus works, of how the hormones of birth work, of how babies are actually born, of the fact that our pelvis is flexible, of the fact that babies are an active participant in this journey. They're not just like... I don't know what is even a good metaphor. A rock in a river that may or may not be washed downstream. And even just in pregnancy, if you didn't know that your blood volume expands, that you need to eat nourishing foods, that you need to get enough protein, even just knowing like, oh, some swelling is normal in some pregnancies, and if I feel like this, 
it's not normal and probably I should take steps to address this. I'm just imagining feeling in this like, let's see, how do I describe it? It's like a dark tunnel of mystery, but not the yummy, delicious kind of mystery that I know birth to be, where we don't know what it's going to be like, and that's beautiful. Mystery more of like someone has pulled something in front of our eyes. We are disconnected from ourselves and all that we know of this process that is pregnancy and birth is either what we've seen in movies, which is usually where someone's in a grocery store and their water breaks and everyone freaks out and is like, we have to get you to the hospital. And then it cuts to them lying down in a hospital bed, like purple pushing and screaming and swearing at people. And then someone with gloves catches the baby and dries it off and then you don't see it again until the next scene where it's just a baby wrapped up in blankets in a basket somewhere. So that's, I think, one avenue of information for people who aren't people who aren't getting really good birth education. There's that, or there's the stories that people tell you, which most of the time, I'm going to be honest, are not great. I think part of that is because sometimes when people have positive birth stories, there's almost a bit of like, shame maybe that's not quite the right word but like don't want to feel like you're bragging or you're making anyone feel bad for their less than positive birth story so I know that a lot of people will kind of keep quiet about it be like yeah you know birth was fine and the really loud stories are the ones where things didn't go well things in quotes didn't work someone was told that their body didn't work like the stories that are passed down through our own families. I've heard like stories of someone whose mother and grandmothers and aunts all just said, oh yeah, we just don't dilate in this family. And they said this to a pregnant woman. And they're putting that story that is probably not true in any way onto this woman. They're like, oh, you're part of our family. This is just our genetic inheritance. We don't dilate. It's just whack. Anyways, so you see these dramatic, pretty horrible looking births in movies and in whatever media and you hear these stories of women who were probably traumatized by their birth experience and that's it that is your education now i'm totally not saying that this is the way it is for all people for most people even but if women don't know to look for deeper education and if no one is available to offer that to them, then sometimes this is all you have. And in that place of, I would imagine, feeling so lost, so in the dark, and so scared. Like, to me, this definitely plays upon... I'm imagining, like, the little, little child Mabel in a position where she doesn't know what's happening you know it's all like some big grown-up thing and the grown-ups have it figured out and she's in the dark and just feeling so little and so small and so scared it seems like in that place one of the easiest things to do to sort of 
take back some power in a way or regain some not control but some sense of like I know what's happening is to set a date in the calendar to say this baby is coming out surgically on this day and I may not know anything else but at least I have that in my mind I have something that I can like hold on to to get me through this scary and mm, again I don't know what the word is for mysterious but not in a good way (laughs) And really, it feels to me like a really lonely place to be. And this is in no way, I think I've said this before, but I want to repeat, this is in no way shaming women or telling them that, oh, you just didn't read enough books. Because yes, individual women can choose to seek education. And like everything in life, if we don't know what there is to know, then we won't know to seek it out, you know? I just said the word no a lot in one sentence. If everyone around you went through a similar pregnancy and birth experience of sort of just being told what to do and not told what was happening or educated in any way, then that's what you expect for yourself. Then that's what you accept for yourself. Unless you're able to tune in to maybe there's a little voice that says there's more than more to this more than this but that little voice can be so much quieter than everyone around you telling you no you just come in for your five minute appointments and maybe I give you a brochure on how to eat in pregnancy or maybe I just say is this your name and date let's do these tests okay bye see you in two weeks and If that's what we are being told by who we are being told to consider experts on our pregnancy, on our birth, on our bodies, then that's what we'll accept. Because these people must know what's best. These people must know how to go about this in the best way. And they're just, they got it, you know? I'm just a small child over here who doesn't need to do anything and they'll handle it. They'll figure it out. I don't know if that's a conscious line of thought for anyone, but I feel like that's what we're fed, what we're expected to to take, because, and maybe this is getting a little cynical, I don't know, because women are easier to control when they think that they are girls. Does that make sense? Like, if women were all, I mean, if anyone if we as humans were all deeply in our own power, in our own knowing, in our own authority, then, you know, we'd be a difficult lot to manage. And somehow we've come to a point in modern day medicine and obstetrics where we're expected to be manageable, where OBs are expected to be able to manage us. And if we think that we're, you know, second grade schoolgirls being told to ask for a bathroom pass, then we're that much easier to, in quotes, deal with. Then we will accept what we're told to do, what we're told to think, what we're told to expect, and again, to accept. So, that's kind of a big topic. Um, I think that a way out of this, 
as women, as humans, as the world that we live in today, is to share with each other, to lift each other up, to have those maybe uncomfortable conversations with someone that you're not that close with, possibly, and just say, hey, there is another way. There is more to this. I may not know all of it. I have no idea what's best for you. But I can tell you that there's so much more than what you're being told. And from there, it's up to that person if they have the the soil, the compost, the water for that seed to take root. Or maybe it doesn't, and that's okay. Or maybe it does three babies down the line. They're like, you know what? That thing that that one person said at Thanksgiving seven years ago, it's kind of stuck with me, and now I feel in a place ready to explore it. So this is my encouragement to you if you are someone with more of an idea, more of a belief perhaps or a knowing around birth, around pregnancy, around what it can be and what I believe what it should be, to just start planting those seeds. And that doesn't mean you have to be an expert, but maybe you have like one favorite resource that you recommend to people. If someone's like, oh, I'm pregnant, you're like, wow, congratulations. Hey, have you read this one book? Whatever it is that feels really impactful to you. Because I don't see this system, and I'm not one to like rant against the system, but I mean this general system of thought and system of money and system of technology that is modern Western maternity care. I don't see this system changing, what do they say, from the top down. I see it changing by women making connections with each other, making connections with themselves, making connections with the earth, with the spirits of their babies, and coming together to say, wait a second, I'm seeing beyond this, and I know that this is not right. This is not all there is to it, and I want something more. I'm asking for something more. I'm demanding and creating something more. So, there was another part to this thought. It's a very long thought. (laughs) Oh, the other part of why I might want to schedule an elective cesarean. First, if I felt completely in the dark and afraid of my body of birth, of pregnancy, of all of it, because I've been told that it's dangerous, that it's pregnancy is basically a disease, that birth is very unpredictable, and who knows what could happen, so may as well trust the doctors to do what they do best. That's sort of what I just talked about. The second reason is because we are in a society or in a culture that are so comfortable with things going the way we plan. (laughs) Um, And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, necessarily. But I think to apply that to all facets of life is out of balance, out of alignment. So a lot of people these days, a lot of women these days are not truly in touch with their own internal cycles. And I don't have any of this planned out. So I'm just (laughs) thinking about what's happening 
or not even thinking about what's happening. It's just happening as it's happening, and you're right here with me in real time. Anyways, a lot of people are not in tune with what their bodies really need, with where they are in whatever cycles or seasons that they're in. If that's a woman's menstrual cycle, if that's being in alignment with the external four seasons of the year, if that's being in alignment with whatever cycles you believe in, astrological cycles, whatever it is, we expect our lives to be sort of in alignment with this artificial cycle of, you know, nine to five, weekdays, weekend, vacation for Christmas, vacation for whatever, summer holiday from school. We don't say summer holiday, I'm not British. Summer vacation, (laughs) Thanksgiving break. We have these arbitrary things calendared into our lives that have sort of replaced the natural cycles of our bodies and of the natural world. And that's come to be what's comfortable because you can say, oh, look, there's only three more days before the weekend when I get to rest. And then I get to rest for two days. And then on Monday at nine o'clock or whatever it is, I need to start working again. When in reality, that may not be what your body needs, especially as women, you could say, I'm feeling all fired up right now on a Sunday and I'm ready to get some stuff done. Or maybe Tuesday comes around, you're like, whoa, I just started my moon. I just started bleeding and I'm on an artificial calendar where I need to pretend to have the same level of energy and enthusiasm and the ability to show up as I do every other day of the month, of the week. Whatever, you know what I'm saying. So already, before pregnancy, I would venture to say it starts in preschool. (laughs) When, you know, you go for the week and you come home for the weekend which may or may not be in alignment with your needs as a four or five-year-old for your mother, for your parents, for your home, for your quiet and personal space. But anyways, from preschool, we're conditioned to accept these external calendars. To say that I know exactly when vacation is happening and I'm not resting until that comes. And whatever else is scheduled in your life, that's just you push your own energy, your own boundaries, your own needs to make external calendars work. And there's a, there can be a sense of comfort in that as like knowing exactly when things are going to happen as opposed to if we were in a more cyclical way of living, we might say, you know what, I'm probably going to start bleeding in the next week and I don't know exactly when. I don't know what day necessarily. I don't know what hour of the day and that's just the way it is it's just going to be a mystery until it happens that is in our current way of thinking in our current way of being much less comfortable which is kind of again a whole nother conversation (laughs) about returning to cyclical nature cyclical life life that's in rhythm with the natural world, and our bodies. But then that's applied to pregnancy. 
and let's apply to birth. And we say, okay, I'll be able to keep working and keep pretending that nothing has changed because I can, I can push through it most of the time and keep doing what I have been doing until I give birth. And if I know when I'm going to have a baby, then I know that I can keep doing what I'm doing until that moment. And there are so many sort of holes in this way of thinking. And again, I'm not sure that this is anyone's conscious line of thought, but just the way that we have been told is the way to be in this world. It's to be scheduled, to be on time, to be accountable in a lot of ways. Um, but pushing that through pregnancy, and I've talked about this before, is ignoring the fact that pregnancy is a different stage of life, that things need to change, that things are different, and acknowledging that and flowing with that and adjusting to that will ultimately bring so much more ease and insight and sort of groundedness to your mothering. And I know for me, that was one of the gifts of morning sickness and a first trimester blah, was that I think if I hadn't had that and I just felt great all the way through, I would have just kept doing things, all the things that I had been doing as I had been doing. But instead, this sort of these like intense feelings and needs of the first trimester really knocked me out of it and was such a wake-up call of like all right Mabel things are different now you are having a baby and you might not have any idea what that means right now because I didn't and I don't think you can even if it's your third baby I don't think you can know what it's going to mean to be a mother of this third one now where was I? Oh, things are changing. And if you're able to acknowledge that and accept that you might need to let go of things, you might need to say no to things, you might need to say no to people, which is so hard. We want to be accountable again. We want to be able to show up to the things that we said we'd show up for in the time that we said we'd show up. But maybe pregnancy or maybe any time in our life is asking us to honor something different. And we're going to need to have those uncomfortable conversations, whether they're with other people or just with ourselves. And practice saying no to things. And that's such an important practice leading into the postpartum time and leading into mothering. Where was I going with all this? (laughs) I feel like it's harder for me to keep a train of thought when I'm not moving. That's an interesting reflection. Um, Oh yeah, the other sort of side of the story of why I would want to schedule, I mean I don't, but I'm saying if I were to put myself in the shoes of someone who would want to schedule an elective cesarean, why that would be, is because it's something controllable, it's something schedulable, it's something, I doubt that's a word, schedulable, it's something knowable. In a world where maybe you feel like you have no idea what's happening to your body, in your body. You can keep going with this artificial 
external calendar and you don't have to rely on the baby's coming when the baby comes. You don't have to rely on guest dates or just waiting to go into labor. You know what's happening. You can watch videos of probably exactly how your birth is going to go down. You can see the different, I mean, I doubt many people do this, but if you wanted to, you could see, oh, this layer of skin is going to get cut into this much, and then this layer of fat, and then this layer of muscle, and then this is going to happen. And you can know exactly what's going to happen when, which is how we're used to living our lives. We know exactly when the bus is going to show up. We know exactly when our next vacation is. We know exactly when the alarm clock is going to wake us up. We're used to these external markers of time. Mm, not external, I guess artificial or unnatural. Because the sun rising is an external marker of time. But that fluctuates with the seasons. Anyways, you know exactly what's going to happen to you and when. Or at least you think you do. We never really know anything. And then the other part of it is back to this pros and cons list. It's definitely sort of in the mainstream consciousness that birth is dangerous for both baby and for mother, but I think especially for baby. And that cesarean is possibly a safer alternative. There's a lower risk of incontinence and sexual dysfunction with a cesarean. There's a lower risk of the baby being deprived of oxygen. There's a lower risk of the baby experiencing trauma, which... I think we could have a whole other conversation, there's that phrase again, um, about babies experiencing trauma through various types of birth and what trauma actually means. But needless to say, just in this short little list, cesarean is painted as very safe, very predictable, with few downsides. And the reality is that we don't know necessarily <laughs> the long-term ramifications of these interventions on all levels. We don't know the effects on like the third generation's microbiome after three generations of cesareans. We don't know the spiritual effect of cesarean births. We can guess, we can get to know our own experience with it if that was the way we were born or if that's the way we had babies but this to me just feels like the word I heard recently on another podcast was myopic and that feels really relevant here this is a very myopic view of cesarean birth versus vaginal birth and to me cesarean birth is very much in line with what we're told is good. With what we've been mostly subconsciously or unconsciously, I never understood the difference between those two words, have been taught is the way that life should be. Like again, back to elementary school, the desks are all lined up in straight lines. You don't sit in circles, you don't sit willy-nilly on the floor, you sit up with your feet on the ground, behind a desk that's in a grid or however it's laid out. You all face in one direction, you're all quiet. And this is 
the way that life is sort of cleaner is the word that's coming to mind. We're taught that cleaner, quieter, neater, more organized, more in quotes controlled, is better, is safer, is more comfortable. And these sort of wilds of physiological birth, of deeply embodied and powerful pregnancy, this is not controllable, this is not safe, this is not comfortable, this is crazy. You know, you get to choose what tests you do in pregnancy, but you have to check all the boxes. And that's, you know, the joy of life is making sure you're checking all the boxes. And we're not accustomed to, first of all, being autonomous and being truly responsible for ourselves. That's a huge step in something that I think people who are on this path will be working out for the rest of their lives is to undo this mentality of someone else knows better than me and to deeply step into I am completely responsible for my life, for everything that happens in my life. That doesn't mean that if something bad happens to me, I'm going to blame myself for it. But everything that happens in my life is for me in whatever way that is. Well, uh, my partner walked in and I lost my train of thought, but I think I was ready to wrap up anyways. So, what is the conclusion of this? Or like the, the inspiration? Or how do I distill this um, unwinding of various threads in my brain into a takeaway? I think what I said earlier about being willing to be a seed planter. To know that there are people out there who are receiving no education on what birth looks like, on what pregnancy looks like, on how to care for themselves. And not to take that on as like a quest but just to be aware of that and to drop these seeds or these breadcrumbs for others to find and pick up if they feel ready for it. We're not forcing anyone being like, oh, you all need to have free births because that's the best. Because, first of all, I don't know if that's the best for anyone, but that's definitely not the best for everyone. I'm sure it's the best for some people. I don't think it's the best for most people. And I don't think that I know what's best for anyone other than myself. So all we can do is drop these breadcrumbs and allow people to pick them up if they're hungry. And I think the second takeaway is that even if you're not someone who's scheduling an elective cesarean, which, you know, I doubt anyone listening to this podcast is, but just a question of how can you embrace wildness in your life a little more? And that doesn't mean chaos or, you know, not vacuuming your floors or showering or throwing away your phone. <laughs> how can you embrace your inner wildness and 
allow that to shine is the word that came up. That feels really cliche, but I have a friend who's very, very Virgo. She is a beautiful woman and she is very on top of things. And she's very organized and she likes the things to be the way that she likes them. And she's aware of that. And I don't quite know what the context is, but we were sitting together and someone said, I want to see the wild version of you. And not that she isn't in touch, she's very deeply in touch with herself, with her inner nature. And I think that we can all always continue to touch back on our wild selves. Whether that's through dreams, whether that's through being in nature, being in contact with that, with the natural world that we are supposed to be a part of and rewilding in that way. Or if there are specific limitations, institutions, structures in our life that are really actually not serving us to the highest potential and that maybe we want to choose to step out of. Maybe you've been feeling like sending your kids to school is not really what you want to do, but what you feel like you should do or what seems to be the thing. Or, you know, maybe you wanted to have a home birth, but people said, oh, that's not safe. Whatever it is. For me, it's I really wanted to go camping this year. <laughs> but the comfort of being in my house and being with running water and having electricity at night and not wanting the fiasco of packing things up and traveling outweighed that. And ultimately, I wish I had gone out and spent some time in nature with my family in a more connected you know, long-term way than going for a walk. So whatever little or big ways you want to connect with your wildness, I encourage you to do that. And I have, I've had this really beautiful vision of whatever it is, if it's women coming back to themselves in whatever way, and it's sort of like, little tiny matches or little flames across the globe. And I think I had a dream actually after watching one of the Lord of the Rings movies where there's like those towers on top of the mountains and they light the fire for like a warning or alarm. I don't know, I don't really remember Lord of the Rings. And then the next peak lights it and then the next peak lights it and it just spreads out from there. So I'm imagining you, I'm holding you all in this vision of lighting up your wildness, your connection with yourself, your connection to nature, your own inner authority and power, and that lighting us all up and connecting us around the world and just brightening everything. So that's where this episode went today. Um, I hope that it provoked some thought or some feelings or some further reflection. I would love to turn this into more of a dialogue than a monologue. So 
please feel free to email me or send me a message on Facebook. We are Catskills Birth Collective. Um, I'd also love if you all felt like leaving a review on this podcast. Sometimes it totally feels like I'm just talking into my little microphone and then I put it on the internet and then that's it and it just disappears. But I have heard from people who say, oh my goodness, I really love your perspective. I really appreciated this one thing that you said. And I love to hear that, not as like an ego boost, but as encouragement that I am on the right track and that we are on the right track together. So please reach out, give us a follow if you feel like it, and let's continue the conversation and light up the world.